Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. And welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, the Cronulla Sharks want to become the club of choice for Pacific communities. The PNG government weighs in on the country's ongoing domestic football dramas and a steep learning curve for Fiji's netballers in the Northern Hemisphere. But first, Tonga is the talk of the rugby league world after Jason Tamalolo and Andrew Fafita switched allegiance to the Mate Ma'a for the World Cup, which kicks off at the end of the month. Head coach Christian Wolf says it all makes for a big couple of months ahead. I think it's certainly got uh, the most experience and the, and the most profile, that's for sure. I think the important thing is, and it's, look, it's really, really exciting that these guys have put their hands up and said that they want to play for Tonga. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk for a long time and uh, about guys, uh, you know, having an intention to play for Tonga when they're at their best. And, you know, as we all know, you're, you're certainly sacrificing a lot in terms of uh, not playing for a New Zealand or Australia if you are selected for those teams. So I think it's absolutely outstanding and a real measure of the, the guys making a courageous call and you know, what their motives are as people, uh, that these guys have put their head up and said that they want to want to make that sacrifice and play for Tonga on this occasion. It's really, really exciting. At the same time, you know, we need to make sure that we're willing to work really hard now and, and reach our potential as a team, that's for sure. Players of the capability and the ability of Andrew Fafita and... Conrad Harrell and Jason Tamalolo have obviously all played for Tonga before. You know, they've always been passionate about Tonga, but uh, generally speaking, they don't end up playing for Tonga when the option is Tonga versus New Zealand, Tonga versus Australia. So what's different this time? Yeah, look, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest, and it certainly hasn't been, you know, any real push from my end or anything like that. I'm always in conversation with those blokes about what they want to do and, um, you know, letting them know that they've always got a choice. And, and as you said, usually the choice is to go for one of the bigger nations. But, you know, I think Jason's really sort of been the catalyst for it, and he's been the first to jump there and, you know, make a real stand that, you know, he was obviously, everyone knew he was going to be picked for New Zealand, but he came out and said that he was, uh, he was going to play for Tonga and gave his reasons why, and... I guess it just took one bloke to do that, and, and particularly a person of Jason's profile, and um, yeah, that certainly made other guys realise that that was what they wanted to do as well. When did you know Jason Tamalolo was a yes? I mean, he came out yesterday publicly to say why, but was it only yesterday you found out? Was it only this morning you found out about Andrew Fafita? Yeah, look, I literally found out about Andrew Fafita, um, Manu Mau and, and Dave Fusatua this morning at, uh, you know, about 8.30 this morning. So, um, uh, you know, look, I, I realise that these are really, really hard decisions for these guys. And, you know, we've spoken a lot about the difficulty of eligibility rules and, and eligibility as a whole and how that's difficult for guys. And, um, you know, I, I think these guys are genuinely torn in, in terms of what they want to do. It's a real privilege for them to play for Australia and New Zealand. It's a real privilege to play for Tonga and and represent their parents and their heritage and, and that kind of thing as well. So they're genuinely torn, and, and because of that, it, it's, it's taken a long time for them to make their decision. And, and, I mean, in the case of a guy like Andrew Fafita, I really didn't have him in the reckoning uh, at all over the last few days once I seen him be named for Australia. And, you know, he actually rang me to say that he was considering changing, but then he also rang me to say that he, he didn't think he would. And, 
um, you know, I supported him on that decision and it wasn't until this morning that he said that he, he really wanted to do it and he wanted to follow his heart and I know he made a phone call to Mel Meninga after that and Mel Meninga was extremely supportive of him and he was very appreciative of that and I think that really set his mind at ease and, and uh, helped him know that he was making the right decision. And this surely adds pressure to the expectations now on your team. I mean, it was only uh, a year or two ago that you had to qualify playing against the Cook Islands uh, in, in that match-up and... You know, it's a shame they're not going to be a part of the World Cup, but now with the players at your disposal, there's going to be a real expectation, not just from Tongans, but rugby league fans in general, that you guys aren't just going to make up the numbers, that you guys, you know, are expected to go pretty deep in this tournament. Yeah, that's true. There is going to be a lot more expectation on us, and that, that certainly builds to pressure. I think if you have a look at the squad, something that we've been able to do is, is every player in the 24-man squad is a current NRL player. You know, some haven't played the whole year NRL-wise this year, but they've certainly played NRL, and if they're not playing NRL, they're playing English Super League. So that bit of age and experience that we've got in there mixed with some really really exciting upcoming youth, um, I think is going to equip us pretty well to handle that pressure and, and handle the big occasion when we, when we are playing some really big games, and that's going to be important for us. But the other thing that's really important is that now, just because we've named this side doesn't mean that we, we have immediate success either. We, we need to work really hard. We need to come together as a team. Our time together in Tonga is going to be... Uh, really, really important in terms of how we mould as a team and how hard we want to work there. And you know, That's the only way that we're really going to get success. We've, we've got some potential in the team. It's really important now that we reach that potential. How many of these players that you've selected do you think would have made the New Zealand or Australian sides um, if they hadn't elected to play for Tonga? That's a difficult question. I, I do think that, uh, you know, obviously, Jason Tumalolo, uh, Dave Fusatua, uh, Manu Mau, Siwa uh, Taukiaho, I, I think all those guys... You know, would have most likely been in the New Zealand side. You know, I, I don't know for sure, obviously, because I'm not involved there. But uh, I, I had spoken to Dave Kidwell previously, and he'd indicated that they would most likely be in his squad. I'm not sure where a guy like a Conrad Arell or a Solomon Cutter sat, but you know, they certainly made it clear early in the piece that they were going to be available for Tonga and Tonga only. And uh, you know, while Jason was probably the biggest catalyst, those guys certainly got the ball rolling there. And Andrew Fafita had obviously already been, excuse me, picked for Australia as well. So. He was definitely in that side. So, um... Yeah, because, of course, you know, there is, of course, a lot of talk going around at the moment about the reasons behind. And, you know, we've talked about the passion these individuals have for Tonga, but the fact that in the past these decisions went the other way. So, you know, a lot of talk about disharmony in the Kiwis camp and the fact that all these players have bandied together. You talk about Jason Tamalolo as a catalyst and, 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 you know, that possibly being a key reason why they've decided to commit to Tonga and, and not play for New Zealand. No one said anything to me about there being any drama with New Zealand. I know there's been a bit made of the decision around uh, Jesse Bromwich and, and uh, Proctor, but not one player has mentioned anything like that to me at all. All the players that I've spoken to in terms of their decision has all been around playing for their family, playing for their heritage, the pride that they get and the pride that the family get when they play for Tonga. Uh, and that's not to say that they don't have the same pride with New Zealand, but it's certainly very, very strong with the Tongan boys. And that's what all their decisions been around, um, as far as I'm concerned, as well as the impact that they know they can make on young Tongan kids and being in a position to make decisions like that and giving people the confidence to make decisions. Now, I think it's just a really brave decision from those guys. And, uh, you know, again, Jason probably is the catalyst for a lot of others, uh, but they're all brave in their own right and they're all making 
a lot of sacrificing their own right as well. And you know, a couple of them have said to me that the the big thing that they thought of uh, in in making the final decision was you know when they're standing there doing the haka uh, or the sippy down in our case, uh, you know how are they going to feel looking across at the team in front of them, and you know, whether they're feeling like they should be playing for that team or whether they're feeling like they should be playing against them. And uh, yeah, that was a pretty powerful comment for me. That's Tonga Rugby League coach Christian Wolf. The Cronulla Sharks National Rugby League team wants to become the club of choice for Pacific communities. The club hosted a breakfast on Tuesday to celebrate Fiji Day, which featured a host of key personnel and elders in the Fijian community in New South Wales and throughout Australia. The Sharks' head of strategy and growth, Jonathan Prosser, says the club is making a concerted effort to engage with Pacific nations and communities. So our squad currently is about 50-52% of Pacific heritage. Uh, The stat I heard earlier this morning is that the NRL have forecast that by 2020, about 62% of the NRL is expected to be of Pacifica heritage. Uh, That's obviously just the men or the World Cup um, and the growing interest in the women's game. You know, that, that trend should only be multiplied. Our aspiration is to be the best club we can be for our current player base from all types of um, background, um, but also as we continue with these programs and our, and our efforts around community engagement, we want to make sure that we build up a really strong understanding of the cultural nuances between different, different nations, different backgrounds, so that we can be the club of choice for people in Fiji, so that we can be the club of choice in the wider Pacific, and we can be the club of choice here in New South Wales and Australia. And so when you say club of choice, do you mean, you know, players that think, well, I'd love to go play for the Sharks, they, you know, understand where I come from and, and, and my background and, and they celebrate that, but, but, but also fans as well that obviously come from various parts of Australia or various parts of the Pacific and, you know, want a team to support or want a team to look at that they can connect with? Absolutely. Spot on. So at all levels, some of the work we did earlier this year um, was actually hosting a diplomatic forum. So we had representation from the governments of six neighbouring nations, uh, including New Zealand, including Fiji. Um, we ran a, a discussion forum um, focusing on how sport could be an enabler for diplomacy, for the building of um, stronger relationships and friendships between nations at a government level, at a trade level, and then also at a community and grassroots level. So from that angle, it's not about the sport or attracting the best players. Um, it's about something much deeper around um, international relations right through to community. But you're right. Um, we're, we're aware from the feedback that we're getting, and we're doing this in partnership with a wonderful um, organization called the Core Group, um, who are um, led by two wonderful ladies who are of Fijian heritage themselves. So we're not kind of doing this based on what we think is a good idea, but we're trying to really partner with wonderful people, pause, get good feedback. Um, we take a lot of time to listen, get good feedback, and then and then carry on the journey with these people. Is this something that the players have been on board with or they've been involved with? To some extent and quite recently. So the wonderful work that the core group do with the Sharks has included building out a Pacifica homestay program. Often some of the young aspiring superstars that come over from Pacific nations to stay in our area to trial and to, and to move up through our squads often they find it hard to settle in and get used to Australian and Sydney life. So we've been building out a network of communities of families who are not necessarily all Pacific people themselves, but are people who are very open to learning about Pacific culture, who spend time with the core group and with our 
player wellbeing and education management to you know really understand the nuances, differences of culture, and how you can really create that true home environment that's going to en- enable um, a young person to really thrive. The player welfare officers, and a lot of them are of Pacific backgrounds because they're dealing with the players and they can relate to them. Have, uh, have they had any involvement or have you had any other clubs looking over your shoulder going, oh, that's a bit interesting, uh, and, and kind of you know thinking about it themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I spent a bit of time chatting to um, Frank Pulitur, who's at the NRL and does a wonderful job there as the head of Pacific Strategy. Uh, in the football department, they have great links into all of the different football development managers. The other thing that was on a sort of a... I guess a less structured basis was recently we were invited to the New South Wales Council for Pacific Communities annual awards. A couple of our NRL players were present and that night we actually won three awards. And I don't say that to, to bang our drum, but rather just, again, it's encouraging that we seem to be listening to people and being guided to carry on doing the kind of things we're doing. Sam Tagatizi was one of the NRL stars present that night and he turned around at one point and he looked at the three trophies on the table. And uh, I'm obviously paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of, wow, this is not only very special to see an NRL club, you know, playing in this space and being recognised for it, but, you know, he said, I've been in the NRL over 12 years and I've been through some stuff, I've seen some different things, but this is my club. You know, you could just sense that real pride and um, that sort of gave that special feeling again of encouraging to say, yes, we're, we're doing some good stuff here, let's um, keep going. That's Jonathan Prosser from the Cronulla Sharks. The Papua New Guinea government has called on the PNG Football Association to lift the suspension of some local associations in an effort to bring the country's rival football factions back together. David Chung was re-elected to the role of PNG Football Association President at December's elective Congress in Kimbe, but one of his opponents, John Kapinato, argued the results were an injustice following the suspension of seven member associations. Mr Kapinato subsequently launched a rival organisation, Football Federation PNG, which is not recognised by FIFA. The Papua New Guinea Vice Minister for Sport, Wesley Ramanai, says the dispute arising from the December Congress has split the country's football community in two and needs to be resolved. I think the most important thing is uh, the president of the football officers is really look for ways to move forward in the best interest of the country. That's what he should look at. And uh, with FFA, what I can see and from what I can read, I can see that they're really concentrating a lot in more rural areas, looking at more on the grassroots. That's the way they promoting the game as well. So it's better for both parties to come to the table, run the table, and have a discussion. That's the way forward for us. You know, some of the best players in Papua New Guinea currently aren't playing for the national team because they're a part of the rival competition. And when you get a situation like that, I guess it's the fans and the team that suffers. Football politics coming in, uh, it's not good for the court itself. So if we had only one competition and if the situation been resolved earlier, I think PNG would have gone on and all right for the next stage and it would have done really well. Does the government kind of take a step back and just let them deal with it? Or, you know, obviously PNG FA is recognised by FIFA, um, whereas Football Federation PNG is not. Does the government have one of those two sides that they recognise as the main body of, you know, football in PNG? As the government, we just want to make sure that football moves forward and the best way is for both parties to come to the table and talk. David Jung is a guide. Uh, I think the, we should really come and talk and, you know, move this thing forward. But uh, I think what I see is um, we should look at why Football Federation PNG was formed. 
the main reason was that the other football association in the country were suspended. That's the reason why those who were suspended got up and they formed the FFPNG. So the solution is, I would say, that they would soon really uplift the suspension. That's what you should do. If you can uplift the suspension, I think, yeah, and that's it. If he has the numbers, okay, they should let all the guys vote for him or maybe John or whoever it is. That's the way I look at it. The suspension should be lifted. Do you think it's sustainable to have two Premier Leagues, two national competitions running side by side? No. PNG, we want to do well, you know. We want to move forward. You know, other countries are looking at So I know there have been talks between... Uh, representatives from both parties that they have come together, but obviously no resolution or solution has come yet. We've we've seen what the government did a few years ago with rugby league in the country to sort that out at an administrative level. Uh, would the government be prepared yeah. to step in and try and do that for football as well? Yeah, we want to get involved. We want both parties to come to the round table and we talk. That's what we want. From uh, the people, you know, our people want to play soccer. Uh, they all want to play football, but those are necessarily suspension of, you know, suspending more than 50% of the association. That's not good, you know. That's not good for the football. We yeah. should all move forward. That's the PNG Vice Minister for Sport, Wesley Ramanai. The Fiji netball team are treating a series of heavy defeats as a valuable learning experience. The Pearls were beaten by Scotland 52 34, by Wales 61 40, Northern Ireland 58 46 and thrashed by England 94-31 in successive days at the European Champs in Cardiff. Fiji coach Vicky Wilson says the Pearls are playing catch-up as they prepare for the Commonwealth Games in April. To go for two years without playing a test match has been uh, you know, one of the issues that we had to face, and so we needed to fast-track and fast-track very quickly to be able to play some international games. So South Africa was a bonus off the tail end of the New Zealand tour and then to be able to be a, a guest team, an invitational team to participate in the European Championships and to play some really stiff competition with Wales, Northern Ireland, uh, Scotland and then England, really uh, tough physical uh, games and then to be able to have one day off and now we've um, come down to Loughborough and we're up against the England Futures squad playing two training games again which are very important it's the intensity of a, of a test match but without the pressure how do you feel your players um coped with that pressure in that europe championship because you're in the scenario that even though you haven't played that often your ranking is still actually quite high and, and maybe that's virtue of the fact that you know when you play the specific series fiji have dominated that for years on end and a stiff learning curve on the scoreboard at least anyway it was learning on the run for me. The it was more about the improvements and the and the work ons that we gave each individual. So for them, there's been tremendous growth, and the intensity has been able to be maintained. And you know, even being able to train this morning and back up with the game, so it just uh, demonstrates to me that their on court fitness is getting better and better. In regards to our ranking, I would hope that come around not only Commonwealth Games but World Championships will be able to remain in the top 10 and that's our aim. We don't want to slip out of that so we might be uh, copying a bit of a belting now but it just gives you an indication of uh, the areas that need to be worked on and worked on you know, very very quickly and it also has given the players you know, a, a great insight as to what is required to be uh, competitive at that level. See, there isn't a a 20-goal deficit. You know, you need to be able to change direction quickly. You need to be able to contest that ball and be able to retreat. You need to be able to 
you know, recover while still be able to uh, then back up the next day. So it's all of those things. When you do have those um, stark margins in test matches, are you able to get across positives to the players or when they see a scoreline like that or they play in that match, is it hard for them to take positives out of such a belting, for lack of a better term? Well, I, I think for me, I always give them the quarter-time score. And, you know, about oh, a couple of games we got blown away in the first quarter. Then what was pleasing, we were able to hang with them for the next few few quarters. But it's also about developing the depth of player that you have. So I, I've exposed all 12 players have been out on court and that's been really important. So it's, I've been able to see and some combinations are good, some some aren't and some I wouldn't run again. So, But you have to keep putting it out there and then you you know what you've got. And uh, so that's... But, so if it was a game um, where I didn't think that a change was necessary, I wouldn't have necessarily made the change. So trying to see, whilst trying to win, but trying to see what others can do as well. That's Fiji's netball coach, Vicky Wilson. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thanks very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.